Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we wanna say thanks for questions coming to our audience at Smith Weekly, including Todd A., Dave V., and Jackie A. On the show today is Ed Carr, President, CEO, and Director of U.S. Gold Corp. The company is focused on advancing gold, copper, exploration, and development projects in Nevada and Wyoming, United States. The company is listed on the NASDAQ under the symbol USAU. Ed, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Well, Ed, let's start off uh, by having you give the audience your background and experience in the junior exploration and mining sector. I've been involved in the natural resource sector for probably going on 25 years now. My background is on the capital market side. I started on Wall Street for one of the big major wirehouse brokerage firms. And I live in Geneva, Switzerland. I've been in Switzerland. I I left Wall Street to move over and run a Swiss firm. And I've had several different Swiss asset management investment banking firms over the years. Been there for well over 20 years. So I've raised a lot of money in the natural resource sector. I've also been on the boards of multiple different publicly traded companies on the NASDAQ, on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, I've been independent audit committee chair. I have a lot of experience in corporate governance, and I've seen a lot of market cycles. As you know, and I'm sure your listeners know, this is a very cyclical industry. So kind of as Kenny Rogers sings, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Uh, We've had some successes over the years, and we've had a lot of losses. So you, you learn things along the way. And we had an opportunity to put together U.S. Gold Corp. back in February of 2014. So we've been around, we're going on five years now, and as you pointed out, a publicly traded company now on the NASDAQ uh, with our symbol USAU, U.S. Gold. You were involved with uh, Persian Gold. What experience uh, and lessons came out of that, and was the end result, the merger with America's Silver, was that a favorable outcome? Great question, and you look at everything in the rearview mirror of our lives and our experience. You know, Pershing Gold, I was actually one of the founders of the company, helped put the, the original company together, acquired the Relief Canyon mine, uh, originally uh, from some people out of bankruptcy. Uh, we brought in a fantastic CEO, Steve Alpers, and Steve really built the company and took it forward. You know, the, the ultimate outcome, the merger with America's Silver, uh, I think, uh, 100% was the, the right outcome, the right merger at the time. Um, it just, be, it, the, this market can be very, very challenging, very difficult. And for a lot of the uh, development stage companies, even exploration companies, we're constantly in this industry raising capital, raising capital, because pre-production companies don't have revenues and cash flow. So you can have a project like Relief Canyon that has really, really attractive looking economics, you know, great looking mine permitted to production, but then ultimately to put that asset in the hands of a bigger company like in America's Silver, now renamed to America's Gold and Silver, they just brought in a big strategic investment from Eric Sprott. Um, You've got Darren Blasuti and his team that are real mine operators. They brought in a a placement from Pierre Lasson. So, you know, really got some some good industry, well-known top shareholders behind them. They've got the capital to put the Relief Canyon mine into production. First gold pour is scheduled for uh, December here, 2019, with full commercial production in 2020. And the America's silver, now America's gold share price has really rallied quite nicely since that acquisition. So yeah, I think it was the right transaction and this will be a big success and 
probably the core of America's gold's uh, revenue and cash flow going forward for the next several years. Well, I appreciate the information on that, Ed, and uh, we'll certainly be watching uh, how things go there. Now, you were also, I understand, a trader for a period of time. How did that go? Yeah, uh, that's always gone well. Uh, quite interesting, different than investing. I, I still would consider myself a trader. I think once a trader, always a trader. So I look at the markets a lot. Um, I'm predominantly a global macro trader. So I trade a lot of uh, currencies, interest rates, you know, futures, stock indices, et cetera, et cetera. And um, that goes well. The global macro perspective also gives me uh, real, real good experience in the precious metals markets, even the base metals markets. So you got to kind of be watching which stage of the economic cycle we're in. Uh, it seems like right now, from a trading and global macro standpoint, uh, even though very recently in the last couple of days, it seems like the United States and China want to ink a trade deal and there's been a little more risk on. I still think that there's a flight to quality. Global markets, uh, uh, the rally is pretty long in the tooth around the world. Seems like uh, economic growth is certainly slowing down globally. And there's, there, there's a general amount of nervousness due to just uh, the amount of debt that nations have taken on around the world, about $14 trillion of global sovereigns trade at negative interest rates right now. So we've seen this firm bid in the last year come into the gold market, you know, currently just below $1,500 an ounce right now. And I really believe that's going to continue. This tends to be a pretty cyclical industry. These, you know, when the price of gold starts to go, you can get these tremendous bull market runs and then it can crash very hard, like it peaked the last time, November of 2011, just over $1,900 an ounce and then crashed all the way to 1000 over the next couple of years. So if you can get your timing right from the trading standpoint, you know, these precious metals markets can give you amazing opportunities. Well, let's let's talk briefly just about uh, the gold market, um, and you know we're hanging around that fifteen hundred dollar mark. Where do you see the price headed, and do you see, uh, based on your experience, that uh, that twenty fifteen twenty sixteen was was marked kind of the bottom, and that we are in the early stages of a bull run here? Fully one hundred percent agree with that. I think we're in the first inning of a nine inning ball game, and I personally believe that. By the time this bull market's done, we're going to be at fresh new all-time highs. And there's a number of different reasons why I say that. Um, number one, the sector has just been beat up so badly, so these metals can really go. Number two, the, the precious metals in the mining sector is one, always a feast and famine. And you look at the majors, what happens? When the prices of, of gold and silver start to go, the big major companies, the Barracks, the Newmonts, the Anglos of the world, they tend to go on these acquisition sprees. And we saw this, 2009, 10, 11, the last big run. They made massive acquisitions. They overpaid for mines, um, overpaid for marginal assets because some of these projects look pretty attractive at $1,900 gold. And then when the price crashes back down to 1000 most of these big major mining companies were underwater on a lot of these projects. So they took on debt. They had very, very dire balance sheets. They had to restructure. They had to fire sale. A lot of their projects that were marginal take massive rights, write offs. You know, billions and billions of dollars of shareholder equity was wiped out. And that's what causes these booms and busts in the industry. So we get into 2012, 13, 14, we had just this major bust. There was no capital available. It was nuclear winter. The majors were just writing projects off and disposing them for pennies on the dollar. But that can also set up the next bull market run. And it can take a time. And now we're seeing around the world really this perfect storm of, you know, we've got political uncertainty. We have uh, uh, really macro uncertainty with central banks with their quantitative easing, just printing tremendous amounts of money. We've got economies slowing down, 
negative interest rates and just a lot of fear out there. So people are wondering, where do they put their money? Should I put my money if I'm an institution in a bank and get negative interest rates? I actually have to pay the bank to hold my money. Or should I go to something like gold and start buying, you know, gold? Because at least I know that for every ounce or kilo of gold that I own, there is no associated liability out there. It's real money. And you look at the gold buying central banks in the last year plus have been buying tremendous amounts of gold. The Russian central banks buying you know, hundreds of metric tons of gold. The, the Chinese are big buyers. The Indians are buyers. We're probably seeing this big shift ultimately, I think, away from the US dollar as the world's reserve currency. Who knows what the future will be? But I do believe there's gonna be a, a lot more inflows uh, towards gold and this precious metal sector is really going to run. The other thing we have to look at is just, you know, new discoveries from the exploration standpoint. The mining industry, all these big majors with their existing mines, their existing reserves, every single day they're depleting their balance sheet. They're mining out their actual reserves and resources that they have. And there haven't been really major new discoveries out there. So now this industry at $1,500 gold, these guys are getting really profitable, the major. They're all in sustaining cost is about $1,100 globally. They're really printing cash flow. And as they repair their balance sheets and build up cash reserves, I think by next year, 2020, as the price of bullion continues to run, you're going to then see the majors and the mid-tiers go on a tear of M&A activity to start acquiring a, a lot more of the juniors out there, especially that have prospective development and exploration projects. Oh, very interesting insights, Ed. And it'll be uh, interesting to see how quick that takes off and, and how quick the, the capital and the sentiment flows over into the junior markets. And some of these companies uh, can, can keep their GNA from rising with the gold price. That would be helpful. <laughs> uh, certainly, some of them are, are doing a lot better job with their margins than, than others, which are, are pretty fat and wasteful still. How about copper, Ed? What, what's your thoughts on that? Because, you know, copper's uh, a little bit of U.S. Gold Corp story as well. Yeah, it really is. We have our Copper King project in Wyoming. So the economics there are about one-third copper, two-thirds gold. And copper's been really beat up. Um, and I think that the reason copper has sold off has been the global economic fear of the slowdown, really due to the U.S.-Chinese trade spat, you know, Europe is uh, kind of a dead man's pulse. It's been in small speed, hovering right around about 0% growth. So the world economy is not that robust. The United States has really been leading due mainly to the American consumer that loves to go out and spend on their credit card, which has been good for the United States and really the world. So copper has been in a, in a doldrum. But when you look at the supply and demand characteristics of copper, and one of the big things that everyone needs to look at is the electric electrification of the global transport systems. You know, Tesla obviously being the, the big poster child of electric vehicles. But in my opinion, Tesla is just the tip of the iceberg. When you look at companies, what they're doing, like Volkswagen, like uh uh, you know, Mercedes, General Motors, uh, Porsche, et cetera, the big major automobile manufacturers, everyone is electrifying their automobile fleets. Even trucks, you know, the mining industry now is using electric vehicles in their underground mines. So you don't have diesel fumes polluting with ventilation. It's much cheaper. So a lot of our transportation system is getting electrified and the average, you know, electric car, the average Tesla takes like 80 pounds of copper. So as more and more people switch to electric vehicles, the demand for copper is going to go up. And anyone can just go Google and look at some supply and demand characteristics of the copper market. There is not enough copper production. So at some point, the copper price is going to rise and it's really going to run. That might be 2020, might be 2021. 
it's not a decade out. We're talking one, two, three years in the future that the supply and demand characteristics are going to pick up and the price of copper is really going to start to move. Appreciate your insights. I want to ask you one more question before we move on to U.S. Gold Corp. You follow interest rates quite a bit. Do you see that the U.S. will move to zero or negative interest rates? And with that, do you believe that your standard mom and pop folks who might have a small bank balance, do you do you see that that negative interest rates would come all the way down to that level? Yeah, that's a great question. I just had a long discussion with someone else on this. And my personal thesis has always been this uh, kind of global, strange world that we're in of negative interest rates is not going to end until the United States goes negative. And I believe we will go on the long bond in the United States probably to zero, maybe even slightly negative before it's all said and done. Um, so I, I do think that negative interest rates are probably coming in the future. You know, the Federal Reserve just cut interest rates, but they're already cranking up the quantitative easing money printing machine again. They're going to start buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. And you look, you know, the United States is running trillion-dollar uh, budget deficits. The Federal Reserve is going to be ultimately the buyer of last resort. They're going to have to finance that government spending like every other central bank around the world. And I think that all this debt, ultimately, it's like a black hole in physics. You know, when you cross that event horizon, the gravity sucks everything in. And you just, not even light escapes a black hole. It's the same way with deflation. And all this debt becomes like a black hole sucking deflationary force. And it's going to just, in my opinion, pull interest rates down. Um, I really don't see, you know, massive inflationary pressures out there. I think more deflationary uh, longer term. And ultimately, you know, none of their the central bankers' tools have worked, but they think that by reducing interest rates down, 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 they can stimulate demand. It just has not been working. But I, I, I really think interest rates are heading there in the United States. Well, let's get on to U.S. Gold Corp. Can you give us just a quick overview, and then we can get into talk more details? So go ahead and just give us a quick overview of the company. Sure, be happy to. So U.S. Gold Corp, as we mentioned, publicly traded company. Uh, we've got three great projects in the company right now. Our flagship is Copper King, located in the state of Wyoming. Copper King is an advanced stage gold copper uh, deposit. It's located just outside of Cheyenne. We have a preliminary economic assessment done on the project. It shows a very robust resource. So measured, indicated, inferred about 1.1 million ounces of gold and 300 million pounds of copper. It has exploration upside. But the resource today at a 5% discount using 1275 gold and 280 copper has $178 million net present value. Uh, it's on all state of Wyoming ground, so the state has a 5% NSR, that's a net smelter royalty, means they get those revenues, very, very clear path towards permitting and production. And then switching to Nevada, we have two exploration projects in Nevada on two of the leading uh, gold trends in the world. That's the Cortez trend, and our project there is called Keystone. It's a 20-square-mile district project just 10 miles south of Barrick Gold's Cortez Hills Complex. And then we have a project called Maggie Creek, which is located on the Carlin Trend right next door to Newmont's uh, Gold Quarry Mine. So real, real perspective uh, projects. And, Ed, can you highlight the management team and key people at the company? I'm the, the president, the CEO, a project geologist based in our Elto office, his name is Ken Coleman, a uh, lot of experience on uh, Carlin-type systems and deep, deep, deep roots in Nevada. Uh, David Rector is our chief operating officer. Uh, some real key people to point out on our board of directors. Uh, we have a gentleman named Ryan Zinke, 
Secretary Zinke was the former Secretary of the Interior under the Trump administration. He's a geologist. He was also the former commander of SEAL Team 6 for 20-plus years. So he's been very, very helpful on our Copper King project in Wyoming. Uh, we just added a new director named Douglas Newby. Douglas was the former CFO of Polymet Mining. He has tremendous experience. He helped permit their project in uh, Minnesota to production. A um, couple other great directors, a gentleman named Tim Chanky. We talked about Pershing Gold. Tim is a mine engineer. He was the former chief operating officer of Pershing Gold, so adds all his experience and technical insights. And we've got a, a tremendous amount of consultants that we work with, some of the leading geophysicists, uh, mapping specialists, contract geologists, et cetera, to really help us move the company towards exploration success. Okay, and I understand also, now Dave Matthewson was also at the company and he has since left U.S. Gold. Ed, can you share with us what happened there and why did he leave the company? Yeah, Dave was one of the one of the founders. It was really Dave's original uh, vision that consolidated the Keystone District. Uh, he had some of the original claims in the heart of the district and with one of his partners went out and consolidated the whole district. So we uh, acquired the Keystone Project off Dave. Uh, he came on board, was with us for a couple of years and um, just left towards the end of June here this year in 2019. Dave's still a significant shareholder in the company. Um, you know, I know our, our technical team is still uh, in touch with him and, you know, still uh, still trying to uh, do everything he can to, to help that team, you know, move the company towards exploration success. Okay, and, and you mentioned uh, Ryan Zinke, uh, really accomplished and distinguished member of the board uh, in his other ventures. What is the importance, Ed, of having Ryan there now at the company during this exploration development stage? Yeah, Ryan's been very instrumental in specifically helping us at Copper King. In Copper King, we want to move right now from the PEA level, the preliminary economic assessment, to the pre-feasibility level. So we have a proposal that we're analyzing internally, working with some of the best consultants. And when you when you have a deposit ultimately in this industry and uh, gold exploration, you first prove up a discovery, it becomes a deposit, you need to do additional work to look at the engineering, does it make sense to make a mine out of this? And Copper King, it does. But then you also need local support, you need permits, and that becomes a big thing. It's a very bureaucratic world that we live in. So you have a lot of government agencies you need to deal with, and with Secretary Zinke experience working in Washington, D.C., running the Department of the Interior, which underneath that, I'm sure as you know, is the BLM, he has tremendous insight and experience in the permitting process. Now, Copper King's a little different because the land, the claims we have are state of Wyoming claims. So our uh, permitting authority is the state of Wyoming regulators in Cheyenne. We're not dealing with the Bureau of Land Management or the Environmental Protection Agency. Those are federal government agencies out of Washington, D.C. We're dealing with the regulators in Cheyenne. But Secretary Zinke, knowing the process, he really, really brings a lot of credibility and gravitas to the U.S. Gold Corp team. We met with the regulators together multiple times this summer. Um, Secretary Zinke set up a personal meeting with Governor Mark Gordon and his team. So we went in, we're building local support. Secretary Zinke as well is from Montana. So he understands that Western mentality. You know, it, it's interesting in Wyoming, they have a very uh, rugged individualism frontier mentality. They don't want those bureaucrats in the beltway of Washington, D.C. telling them what to do. They're even proud of the fact that we only have to deal with the regulators in Cheyenne. And Secretary Zinke, being from Montana, 
He can speak that Western language uh, and really, really show them that we're a good community partner. U.S. Gold Corp. wants to do everything in the proper way. We want to engage with our neighbors, our local ranchers, the local county commissioners, the board of public utilities, the water, et cetera. Make sure that this is a big win for everyone out there. You know, for the local community, this project is estimated to create well north of 200 jobs. And then there's like a five to one multiplier in the local community. So it'd be like up, upwards of a thousand jobs that will be created off this Copper King project. So that's a nice economic shot in the arm. And, you know, they really understand that in Cheyenne because they have a lot of natural resources in Wyoming. They have a lot of coal mines, they have a lot of uranium mines, a lot of oil and gas, and the coal industry has been really beat up. A lot of mines have gone bankrupt, people have been laid off, so they really could use the, the economic incentive that, uh, that this project can bring. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about Copper King in a moment, but uh, can we talk a bit about the capital structure? Can you just highlight for us shares outstanding, cash balance, and how long that'll last? Uh, and of course, uh, major key shareholders and backers. Sure, be happy to. And you know, we're we're really proud of the fact that we have a relatively tight uh, share structure today. Uh, today, U.S. Gold Corp has approximately 23.5 million shares of common stock issued and outstanding. Uh, you look at a lot of the junior exploration companies listed on Canadian exchanges; they have two, three hundred million shares of stock. So myself, with my backgrounds being capital markets, I've really tried to keep that, that cap structure tight. Um, of that 23.5 million shares, management and a few close insiders own about 30% of that stock. Uh, the other 70% of the company today is owned by approximately 15,000 individual retail shareholders. We don't have any major institutions in our company today. And I think that's just due to the fact that our market cap is right around $20 million or maybe even a little less today. Most of the big major institutions want to see a hundred plus million dollar market cap. Um, it's a market that's dominated today by ETFs and algorithmic trading uh, that all go for the, the big, big, big liquid names. So we're working on trying to get some institutions in. As far as cash, uh, we do have cash still on the balance sheet in the company. Uh, we're in pretty decent shape today. Our, our last public filing that was July 31st showed, I think, just over three, maybe $3.3 million in cash. Uh, we have no debt in the company. So that can be the kiss of death for any junior exploration companies with no revenues or cash flow, um, I, I have been successful up until this point of being, being able to raise money from good investors on good terms. We haven't had to take any you know, convertible deals or toxic debt spirals or debt or anything like that. So, you know, we're, we're in good shape. We're driving towards discovery success. We always in this business, like every junior exploration company, need to raise more money uh, because we don't yet have revenues or cash flow. But we do believe we're going to get Copper King into production at some point, which will provide the, the revenues and cash flow and especially can fund a lot of our exploration activities. And Ed, can you share with us how many shares you own and be willing to share with us at what cost base you have those shares? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I believe today I own just north of 1.2 million shares. So that's probably about 6% of the company. Um, if you and you know your listeners go and look at insider filings, you can see that I consistently buy stock in the open market. I have personally participated in most of our private placements. Um, I take 50% of my overall annual compensation in stock. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm pretty well aligned with the shareholders out there. Um, by last count, I, I believe I have just over about $900,000 or so of my own after-tax money in the company. Um, so my cost basis is you know, somewhere right around here, maybe a little lower. 
It's not like I have uh, zero cost basis stock. I have bought most of my stock in the in the open market. And that goes the same with most of our big major shareholders. Just about everyone has put capital into this company substantially higher than our current market price. Now, in September, moving towards Nevada for a moment, in September, the company took over Orvada Metals. Can you go over this acquisition and how do you see it fitting into the value creation efforts at U.S. Gold? Orvada is a brand new acquisition, as you point out. This was very strategic for U.S. Gold Corp. for a number of different reasons. Number one, Orvada gave us an option on very prospective claims at a project called Maggie Creek. Maggie Creek is located on the Carlin Trend, world famous, you know, two of the most famous trends in Nevada. We have projects on them now. Uh, we are right next door to Newmont Mining's massive 25 million ounce gold quarry mine. The rainbow deposit sits literally right on our project boundary, and it looks extremely prospective to us. Uh, we've done a bunch of work internally. We've hired some of the top uh, geophysicists to look at this and geologists, and they really believe that the major gold mineralization trends from gold quarry extend right onto the Maggie Creek claims. So Maggie Creek has had some historic shallow drilling. Uh, in the past, the primary exploration um, uh, method was going in drilling relatively shallow drill holes down to two, three hundred feet, predominantly looking for at-surface oxide gold deposits. Well, most of those in Nevada have been found. And now the newer discoveries are happening deeper. And they're drilling deeper. They're getting into lower plate rock. We're starting to understand more of the geology what these uh, specific trends and dikes mean, and if we can get down to some of these higher-grade deposits, it could be a major, major discovery for us, for U.S. Gold Corp. In addition to the, to the geological prospectivity of this project, um, we also uh, brought on board some well-known mining industry shareholders. So the underlying shareholders of Oravata uh, are now shareholders of U.S. Gold Corp. And these are very well-known names in the mining industry. So we're going to be talking more about that and revealing who they are in a couple future press releases. I just say continue to watch our news. And so that's very strategic for us as well. So we're excited about this project. Okay, and let's look at Keystone and uh, Gold Bar North here. Um, what's the plans? Uh, so you got the three projects, Maggie Creek. What's the focus here, and what are the plans to advance these projects in 2020? Yeah, Keystone is really our, our up until this point, flagship exploration project. Uh, located on the Cortez Trend, again, 10 miles uh, roughly south of Barrickles Cortez Hills Complex. So you have the Cortez Hills Mine, pipeline across the valley. Uh, Barrick has major new discoveries like Gold Rush, which is going into production and underground deposit, uh, ET Blue, and they just announced a really exciting new last year called Four Mile. So very, very prospective area. Uh, Keystone looks amazing. After we first consolidated this district, uh, we hired a gentleman named Tom Chapin, uh, to go out and map the entire district. Tom worked for Barrett Gold for many years and mapped uh, that whole Cortez district, so he knows the geology and rocks as well as anyone. Um, we did a lot of geophysics. We've done soil uh, samples out there. And then the last three years, and this will be the fourth year, we have done select drilling. In the beginning in gold exploration, when you have a big project like Keystone, it's 20 square miles. Think of like the size of Manhattan Island, you know, New York City. So where do you go? Do you drill up north? Uh, do you drill south? Do you put a drill hole in Central Park? So originally, we first had the project. We did what we call scout hole drilling, kind of a north, south, east, west. We were looking at the rocks, the stratigraphy. The host rocks look fantastic. And these big, massive Carlin-type deposits, they're hosted in very specific rocks, limestone carbonates, 
Um, you have to have the right upper plate, lower plate rocks. You have to have the right geological age. You need to see alteration, brecciation. We have it all at Keystone. We sponsored a master's thesis student to date the intrusives on the project. These are the drivers of the system. We now know we have anomalous gold in all of our drill holes. We've got incredible looking alteration in the rock is really heated up and beaded up. We've got great brecciation. We've got some of the best pathfinders we've seen. So these are all the signs that a world-class deposit is just lurking in the shadows. And now we're to the point with Keystone where we are what we call vectoring in on discovery success. We are trying to drill into a high-grade feeder zone an economic zone of one of these deposits, which tend to be very, very narrow and very, very compact. So you have to be extremely precise with your drilling to hit one of these high-grade feeder zones. But if you are successful, this can create tremendous shareholder value because these deposits can become worth a lot of money. You know, Newmont Mining bought Long Canyon for $2.8 billion dollars. Um, uh, Barrick bought Placer Dome for Cortez Hills for $10.4 billion. So the valuation can get really, really large if you can prove up a deposit, you know, if you can get that economic grade, high grade feeder zone. And that's the point that we're going for right now. So we have literally at Keystone just finished our 2019 drill program. We are uh, waiting final assay results. We will press release those imminently. And going into 2020, our entire geological team will look at the recent drilling, will continue to do more work, geophysics, soil sampling, really try and tighten up our information as to where does X mark the spot on the treasure map? Where do we put that next drill hole to hopefully come with discovery success? And we believe we're, we're quite close. Okay, now let's move over to Copper King because it appears that that is also, at least at some point here, efforts are being pushed over towards Copper King in Wyoming. What is the driver for this project, Ed? And do you see Copper King as something that can be significantly expanded to shore up the past PEA? Yeah, we really do. And we think there's, there's real exploration upside to Copper King. The, the PEA on its own is quite robust and the economics look fantastic. So just on the, the resource with the PEA, you could make a production decision and push this forward. However, when we acquired the project, you know, the general feeling in the industry was Copper King is relatively small, the grades are relatively low, and there was no upside. Well, in 2017, 2018, and 19, we did a bunch of geophysical surveys, we did additional drilling, and we hit additional mineralization out to the west. So we have expanded the deposit. We contracted with a company the end of last year uh, called Datamine. They have state-of-the-art software for the exploration and mining industry. We put the whole historic drill database, our new discoveries into their software. We now clearly have gold ISO shells, copper ISO shells, silver ISO shells that show additional upside where we should go on future exploration drilling. So we're at the point right now that we're pushing Copper King forward from a preliminary economic assessment. We wanna take this project to a pre-feasibility study. We've been doing a lot of work with some, some of the top leading uh, consultants out there, geologists in the industry, working with a gentleman named Mark Levere, who's former head of metallurgy at Newmont, Another gentleman named Mark Jorgensen, who was a project engineer for us at Persian Gold. They're helping us push this towards a pre-feasibility study level. As we do this, we'll do more drilling into the deposit itself, specifically for metallurgy, to look what is the best production method, being a, coal, a gold, copper, uh, silver, multi-metallic deposit. This is gonna be a, a flotation, uh, production method, and we will produce a gold copper concentrate. So we're looking at all these engineering studies right now. We need to do baseline studies. We need to do hydrology, and then ultimately be in a position to file our mine plan permit to put this into production. 
And Ed, does it make sense with, with the current PEA, does it make sense maybe grow the resource a bit and, and maybe back down the, the mine life to get production up and, and maybe to a more cash flow sustaining production profile? Or do you believe that the existing PEA can be constructed and operated in a way that you're not going to be starved for cash? That's a really good point. And, you know, the general feeling in the industry, as you probably and your listeners well know, is it's kind of if you put three mine engineers in a room, it's like putting three lawyers in a room. You'll get three differences of opinion. So the the PEA right now shows a 17-year life of mine. We we all think internally we can tighten that up, um, maybe bring this to about a 12-year life of mine and bring a lot of that cash flow forward. We also don't think that that is going to dramatically increase the capex needed uh, for the facility. Out of the PEA, we're looking at an initial capex of $113 million to build the facility. And we'll know a lot more once we get this project to the, to the pre-feasibility level. So in the next couple quarters, once our pre-feasibility study is done, we'll have much better and more updated economics. And we probably will look to, to tighten up that life of mine, like we say, to bring more cash flow forward and just have the project even more robust. Okay. And what's been obtained with regards to uh, gold and copper recoveries? Is there any information on that yet? There is historic information. There's a couple uh, metallurgical studies that have been done in the past. Um, the most recent one was by SGS, and they were showing recoveries 68 to 70% in that range. A lot of these studies are now getting quite dated. And that's going to be a big part of our pre-feasibility study will be some really intensive metallurgy work, um, look more at what these recoveries are, and not only, you know, the percentage of recoveries, but what is the optimal way to try and increase those recoveries overall. So I think all of your listeners, subscribers, you know, they should just stay tuned, continue to watch as we do the work here over the next several months, six months or so. And then we can publish the results of our pre-feasibility study. I think everyone's going to be, you know, quite pleased with these results when we when we get them. And at fifteen hundred dollar gold, Ed, how motivated is management to fast track Copper King towards definitive status? And what do you see as a timeline there? Are we talking two years? Where are we at? Yeah, fifteen hundred dollar gold is certainly attractive. And you know, just to remind everyone. Um, the economics and the PEA use 1275 gold. In a 1275 gold, the internal rate of return is 33% per year. So it's quite robust. $1,500 gold will be higher than that. Um, we would really like to get this project into production. We want to do it the right way, so we're certainly not going to rush. We need to do all the engineering and baseline work and hydrology. But I think two years is a, is a pretty good estimate. If the planets align, everything goes well, we can finance and raise the money we need. Within two years, you know, we can probably have the, the mine permits to want uh, to push this thing to a full production decision. Well, Ed, I appreciate the information on that, and, and certainly it's an interesting project. The company share price, as you know, has suffered since the company got started. What do you see as the key drivers and goals that need to be obtained to turn around the share price? Yeah, and it's a frustrating development, you know, the share price and since really we've been in public. And it's kind of a, a macro symptom of the whole junior exploration industry. You know, here we are early to mid-November 2019. And if you look at a universe of junior exploration companies specifically focused on Nevada or North America, most of them are trading close to their 52-week lows right now. And we would think with gold, you know, pushing up to 1,500, all this geopolitical uncertainty we talked about, this sector should be flying. And it's just not, unfortunately. What we've seen is a real bifurcation of institutional money flowing into the majors, um, the, the retail investor out there, they're just not buying gold stocks or gold funds these days. If they want to buy gold, they might be buying the GLD, but they're certainly not subscribing to the Fidelity Select Gold Fund. And we've seen actually sector outflows. 
So everyone thinks there's probably more upside in the S&P and the Dow, and you know Trump's going to ink a trade deal to help his reelection uh, in 2020, and the market's going to rally in the next November. So I should be buying Facebook and Netflix, and why should I buy any gold stocks? So if the market were to to tumble, this sector would probably you know get a big boost because a lot of money would get scared and would flow into the gold sector. Um, but, you know, we just have to persevere ourselves. I, as a CEO, I've learned a long time ago, being on boards and being the CEO uh, of this company, I have absolutely zero influence over the stock price. Um, I tend to take the ticker off my screen because CEOs can drive themselves crazy. I don't look at any of these chat rooms or anything. My job is to run the company. And day to day, we are out trying to advance our projects, trying to get these projects, you know, moving forward. We're trying to talk to good institutions, raise good money from good investors on good terms. And I believe ultimately that, you know, if we've got good projects, good economics, the value will be uh, revealed at some point, whether that's next year or in another couple of years. Of course, it can get frustrating. And this is a sector and our stocks specifically can be very volatile. It can go from $1.52 a share down to 75 cents and who knows, maybe back to $2. So, you know, this is not a sector for uh, conservative money and widows and orphans. People really need to have the stomach for volatility. But we also have a potential lottery ticket in that if we could prove up a big you know, high-grade feeder zone discovery success at somewhere like Keystone or Maggie Creek, I really think our stock price could go up, you know, multiples. Uh, 10x would not be, in my opinion, unreasonable. Right. No, absolutely. I think you made some good points. Now, recently, Liberty Gold has overtaken all of the junior peers in Nevada, Idaho, and Utah, literally at this point, um, may, or if not, they're very close to it with a notable high-grade Carlin-type gold oxide discovery uh, out of Black Pine, Idaho. Interestingly, Ed, the Copper King asset is quite similar to their Gold Strike Utah asset uh, in some ways. Yeah. Their market cap is, is pretty much to the point where Gold Standard Ventures is about to potentially be uh, dropping below theirs. Do you see that gold, U.S. Gold Corp has a similar opportunity as, say, a Liberty or a Gold Standard in regards to its Keystone and Gold Bar North exploration assets? You know, I really hope so. And God bless. I mean, my hat's off to like Cal Everett and the team and everyone at, at Liberty Gold and for doing such a great job. The reason their stock and the company is doing so well, they are delivering the results. And this is a market right now in 2019 where you have to deliver the results. Just a bunch of a smoke or hype, no one cares. You know, it's, uh, it's like a WYSIWYG market. What you see is what you get. So if you can deliver the real results, if you can show people that you are on to world-class exploration success, you are going to be rewarded accordingly. And if not, you know, you look at companies like us, the market as well, everyone today is on internet time. So we all have attention deficit disorder. We want to be instantaneously rich. We want, you know, drive through success in our lives. And gold exploration just doesn't work that way. It's a long-term process. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of work, a lot of skill, a lot of capital to come with discovery success. You know, it can take years and years. We know our Keystone project is extremely perspective, but I cannot tell you or any of your listeners with any degree of confidence, is it going to be the next drill hole or is it going to take another 50 drill holes to come with, you know, a world-class discovery? So that's the big unknown. If you get lucky, God bless, you know, you can really go um, and your stock can take off. We think we're getting closer. We really do. But our, our Keystone project's big. It's 20 square miles. And a lot of times these deposits are very, very compact. They can be just a couple hundred feet across. So you have to be so, so, so precise that if it takes another 50 drill holes in a couple years for us to get there, well, our stock price might stay beat up for a while until we really start putting the 
successful results on the board. Right, and you've got certainly some folks there that have spent a lot of their time in Nevada, so you, you have some geologists that can help break down that area and, and pinpoint some some solid targets. And certainly, you're absolutely right with regards to patients. People who want to try patients, you can come over to the uranium sector, and that'll make the gold <laughs> sector look like a, a fly-by-night, no problem. So certainly, some, some interesting uh, points you brought up there. Well, for potential investors who are looking at the company at today's price level, what would you say to them and why should they look at U.S. gold now? Yeah, look, I think the, the investment thesis for me is really pretty simple. Number one, we are on a major U.S. exchange, the NASDAQ. This isn't TSX Venture or the bulletin board. So we got a major listing, which is worth something. Number two, any investor out there can hang their hat on our valuation just with Copper King. With $178 million NPV, a lot of these development stage companies trade at 20 to 30% of NPV. Today, we are at 10% of our NPV on Copper King. We're cheap. Number three, we got cash in the bank. We're not, you know, out of gas. We're still running the drills. So out there exploring, trying to get discovery success. And we have two exploration unicorns in Keystone and Maggie Creek that I believe if we can hit a drill hole and deliver the results, both of those have the potential to turn us into a unicorn. So great, great, great risk reward down here. I really don't, I, I would hope our stock doesn't go to zero because you have some real value in Copper King, our cash and the NASDAQ listing. And if we can come with success, wow, you've got real upside. But your listeners should be smart. You know, don't go out and just start taking out offers. You know, I tell everyone, I mean, put in what I call stink bids. You can try and accumulate a position, even a little bit under the market. We are a volatile stock. It's a volatile industry. Don't pay up. You know, try and accumulate a position, get a good price, hold on, and then hopefully we can deliver the results and make you some money. Well, Ed, let's leave it there. Thanks for taking the time to talk about U.S. Gold and uh, good luck with value creation at the company. We really appreciate you coming on. No problem. Look, we really appreciate the interest. We'd love to come back in the future and update you, especially when, when hopefully we get some discovery success.